Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week. And we are one week closer to the official start to the season. Still seems like it is a million years away, but sooner or later we'll get there. And as always, there's plenty of news to get to. And as always, before we do that, I hope wherever you are, that you're safe, you're doing well, you're healthy, because it's nasty out there and there's still a lot of bad news out there. But wherever you are, I hope that uh, things are doing well. Anyways, let's get into the news this week and what's happening with uh, with Formula One. So we have an official postponement or cancellation uh, for this year. This one's uh, no big uh, surprise, but the, the Dutch Grand Prix at uh, Zandvoort has been officially cancelled for 2020 and uh, will now take place in 2021. This this isn't really too much of a surprise, I don't think. It's sort of been off again, off on again for the past uh, several weeks. Uh, it sounded like uh, that they were open to trying to, to host it at some point, but... Hey, you know, if you want to do it properly and you want to have a, a, a proper return to Formula One in your country, then why not uh, do it uh, in the right manner? And who knows what the world's going to look like a year from now. Hopefully it's a lot better than we've been in the past uh, couple of months. And I can completely uh, understand uh, the decision. Anyways, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, the boss of the circuit there, Jan Lummers, he said uh, in an interview recently, quote, it looks like our race will be postponed to 2021, hopefully when there's a vaccine and it's business as the new usual, end quote. So, I mean, it is the first uh, Grand Prix since uh, I think it was 1984 or something like that. And what with, uh, you know, hometown hero Max uh, Verstappen, obviously one of the favorites, uh, not just to to win that race, but who knows if uh, Red Bull uh, designs a, a good car and uh, Honda certainly has been coming along in leaps and bounds over the past uh, year or two. Who knows? Maybe he's got an outside uh, shot to, to win a championship. So it uh, it's disappointing. I mean, it joins a, a whole host of other races uh, that have been uh, formally canceled uh, for this year, including uh, my Canadian Grand Prix, although it's on the other side of the country. But uh, that, that notwithstanding, disappointing uh, to see that uh, Zandvoort and the Dutch Grand Prix won't come back at any time in, uh, in 2020. So we look forward to, to that coming back in the spring of next year. Anyways, the, the British Grand Prix, again, it's been a little up and down in the air and uh, still anything's uh, far from certain. Uh, last week uh, looked like a, a real deal was a blow or a real blow was a delta to Formula One in hopes of having the uh, the British Grand Prix go off on back-to-back uh, weekends in uh, July as um, was uh, originally planned. Uh, what with the UK government's uh, decision not to make any special, uh, you know, uh, allowances in regards to um, isolation and quarantine for anybody coming in into the country. I mean, you can understand that, right? I mean, in this day and age, it's all about the health of safety of, uh, of people. And I mean, it's been bad in the UK. And um, obviously, you know, if they can get it under control in the next couple of months, they don't want to get back to a situation that even uh, moderately resembles what they've been uh, been through. So I can understand the, uh, you know, the, the, the caution there and not uh, wanting to relax things uh, too much. Because if you open one door, how many other doors are you going to have to open down the line? Anyways, um, Formula One is now reserving the first two weekends of August 
to uh, hold races at Silverstone, if the uh, the government quarantine restrictions will actually allow the personnel to travel more freely at that time. I mean, we're going in, it's uh, the end of uh, May right now. I mean, that's uh, still a couple of months away. So who knows? I mean, uh, COVID days are like years. I mean, it's almost, uh, I mean, time has really been bizarre over the past uh, couple of months. And uh, we really are kind of going from day to day, week to week. So to look even a couple months down the road really is um, <laughs> really is something we can't really uh, know what it's going to look like. Anyway, so the, the combination that they're looking at could be either July 19th and the 26th or the 26th and August 2nd are the combinations that have been uh, under con- uh, consideration. But this introduction of a 14-day quarantine from uh, arrivals into the UK that uh, came into effect or coming into effect from uh, June 8th obliged to F1 to build like what they're calling a safety net and put uh, Silverstone on later. And uh, Hungary would now move into a July slot. I mean, I know last week we talked about it and this uh, this whole calendar that uh, Chase Carey and Liberty are pr- proposing for a Formula One season of 15 to 18 races. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty fluid. Uh, I mean, just uh, considering what, uh, what what was going on in the world at large and the situation as it changes um, literally on a day and uh, and week-to-week uh, basis. I, I still think 15 to 18 uh, races would be, um, I, I think it would be wonderful, but I think it's uh, extremely optimistic, uh, perhaps even a little bit unrealistic. Uh, you know, if we can get some sort of season going and if it's safe to do so at some point, I mean, I know that they've been uh, pushing to do it and they were saying last week that even if they had 10 uh, COVID cases in the paddock, that uh, it wouldn't affect things uh, because they have the, the proper protocols and uh, the, the testing that they're going to uh, put into uh, into effect uh, once they get going. Sure. I mean, they, they know more about that and I'm not even going to try and speculate on it because it's not my area of uh, expertise. But um, anyways... 18, 15 to 18 races, to me, that seems uh, pretty unrealistic. I would be happy. I would be overjoyed if we could get to 10 by the time that uh, this season gets up and running. And I know that they've talked about uh, going later into the year, into the beginning of next year. If we get 10 races in, I'm more than happy. And uh, I don't really care if uh, they just uh, stick to several circuits. I know that the uh, the, the rules in Formula One state that they have to hit at least uh, three continents uh, to be a true world championship. But extraordinary times uh, call for extraordinary measures and i'm sure that uh, if uh, it really came to it that there would be we'd have to think that there would be some sort of flexibilities in the rules in the teams and with the governing body and then hopefully um, you know that uh, could actually get uh, sorted out if um, it did come to that or a rule change or some sort of special uh, exemption made if uh, they couldn't hit all uh, three continents like they want to i know that they've got uh, big and grandiose plans and they think they can pull it off but who knows? We'll wait and see. So anyways, Holland off, UK, and uh, the British Grand Prix still very much uh, up in the air. Silverstone uh, Chief uh, Stuart Pringle said that the, the later dates uh, are obviously uh, later than the, the ones that were already uh, discussed uh, as, as viable ones. Anyways, uh, he had to say, quote, we've got our original dates that we've been holding and talking into mid to late July, but we've actually got the, a degree of flexibility through August as well, end quote. So there you go. So certainly um, not uh, not anything uh, from settled. So this is what it looks like at the moment. Uh, the provisional European uh, schedule running from uh, July 5th through September 6th would see back-to-back races on July 5th and 12th in Austria, July 19th in Hungary, 
And then August 2nd and 9th, back-to-back uh, race weekends at uh, Silverstone, August 16th at uh, Barcelona Spa at the end of August, uh, pretty much in its uh, traditional uh, time slot, and then uh, followed by uh, Monza a week uh, later for the Italian Grand Prix. And uh, those two uh, dates still very much in their traditional or recent uh, time slots, uh, as we've seen over the past uh, several years. Okay, so uh, moving along now from uh, <laughs> to what we don't really know to a little bit more, well, Something we know for sure uh, is uh, apparently Williams is considering uh, all or part of their team to secure their 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 future, and this is I don't know really what to make of this. I find this a little bit um, concerning because I mean this is a team that's really fallen into the abyss over the past uh, several years. I mean uh, since uh, say let's say after um, you know uh, Nico Rosberg left the sport in 2016, 2017, since 2017, I mean they've just been on a, on a drastic uh, d- decline. And you know I was I was really hopeful that uh, that uh, once they I mean, they, as part of that whole shock retirement of Nico Rosberg, and then the uh, the 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 discussions that they had with the Mercedes to to bring Valtteri Bottas on board. You know, a part of it was uh, getting Patty Lowe to come back on the technical side, securing a long term engine deal. I think they might have even got some cash out of it, if I ever, uh, remember correctly. But anyways, I, I thought that um, at that point I was feeling, well, you know. Maybe, I mean, now it's a little bit easier to go back and speculate, but I thought at the time it was a good move for them. Obviously, Patty Lowe wasn't the guy that uh, that that was needed to you know to to get that uh, team where they wanted to be. In fact, uh, they went uh, backwards uh, under his uh, you know during his tenure there, and uh, it's really sad to see. I mean, I, I grew up in an era uh, you know with Nigel Mansell, and then going into the '90s with uh, with Prost, and then uh, Damon Hill and Jacques Villeneuve, then Ralph Schumacher, Juan Pablo Montoya. I mean, you know, the, I mean there was there were some exciting times you know, with the Honda engines, Renault engines. I mean, this was a, you know, the team I was, um, I had a subscription last year to uh, F1 TV and I went back and I, I don't remember exactly. I, it was, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the British Grand Prix in 1986 and it was something else. Uh, Nelson Piquet and, and, and Nigel Mansell just literally racing away from the rest of the pack with those uh, Williams Honda powered, I think it was the FW11B that year. I mean, just beautiful cars, but it was unreal. And I, I kid you not. I mean, they were lapping back markers with, <laughs> I think, only within ten laps of the uh, the, the start of the race. I mean, Formula One. Uh, I mean, <laughs> back in the mid eight to late nine eighties. Pardon me, was uh, very different than than it is now. I mean, even the cars that are slow. I mean, obviously the Williamses are, are slow compared to everyone else by uh, you know a couple to several seconds, but I mean, that uh, it really was different. I mean, even back then, I mean, you had two championships. You had the turbo cars and you had the normally aspirated cars that would compete for like the uh, the, the the Jim Clark Championship or Cup or something like that. It was a, uh, a bit bizarre. I mean, since the rules and the the, the formula have been more standardized in the, in the in the meantime, has uh, changed things a lot. But still, just the, the position that Williams finds them in just uh, never ceases just to, to, to really disturbed me to see where this team has gone. Anyways, uh, the team uh, released a statement uh, this week and said, quote, the WGPH board is undertaking a review of all various strategic options available to the company. Options being considered include, but are not limited to, raising new capital for the business, a divestment of a minority stake in WGPH, 
or a divestment of a majority stake in WGPH, including a potential sale of the whole company. Whilst no decisions have been made regarding the optimal outcome yet to facilitate discussions with interested parties, the company announces the commencement of a formal sale process, end quote. So this is uh, partly to do with the the increased uh, pressure that uh, that Williams and well many teams in the F1 paddock are facing uh, because of the uh, Formula One shutdown due to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. I mean this is this isn't uh, I don't think a, a real shock. I mean they've been saying almost right from the from the get go that uh, they needed to go racing this year. That they needed the the income uh, the revenue that uh, is generated generated from racing activities, uh, or else they were going to be in, in very very difficult waters and I mean that that came out within the first couple of weeks of the though the whole cancellations and the shutdowns back in in mid to late March when literally everything like the entire world uh, got canceled literally so anyways in in that regard it really isn't uh, too much of a surprise still uh, it uh, it seems a little bit uh, surreal to me. The, uh, the the statement does go on to say, "quote The company is in not receipt of any approaches at this time of this announcement, and confirms that it's in preliminary discussions with a small number of parties regarding a potential investment in the company. There can be no certainty that an offer will be made, nor as to terms on which any offer will be made. The WGPH board reserves the right to alter or terminate the process at any time, and if it does so, will make an announcement as appropriate. The WGPH." board also reserves the right to reject any approach or terminate discussions with any interested party at any time. End quote. So anyways, uh, this comes about uh, in, on the heels that Williams Group re- released their 2019 financial figures. Uh, and the numbers weren't good, guys. They had a, a loss of 13 million pounds compared to a, a profit in 2018 of uh, almost the exact same. It was 12.9 million pounds. So the, the group revenue uh, declined uh, to 160.2 million pounds in 2019 from 176.5 million pounds in 2018. Uh, F1 revenue declined to 94.5 million pounds from 137 point, sorry, 130.7 million pounds in 2018. And uh, a 10 million pound loss compared to a profit of 60 million pounds in uh, Formula One the, uh, the 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 previous year. So, uh, yeah, not uh, not good news. But also, it uh, th- this week uh, Williams uh, also announced uh, effective immediately that they've uh, terminated their sponsorship uh, deal with uh, Rocket, uh, which was uh, a bit of a surprise because uh, they had initially signed a deal with them for a couple of years, and I think it was extended to 2023. And uh, yeah, it 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 just uh, they just out of nowhere. And they didn't get many reasons uh, <clears throat> for it, but a, a tweet from the uh, tw- uh, the team said, uh, "quote The financial results for the 2019 season reflect the recent decline in the competitive competitiveness of the F1 operation and the consequent reduction in commercial rights income. The 2020 Formula One season has, of course, been disrupted to the COVID-19 pandemic, and this will have uh, an impact on our commercial rights income this year." The team have also served notice to terminate its relationship with its title partner, Rocket, and major sponsor, ROK or Rock Drinks, in common with the many other businesses we have taken extensive action to mitigate, in uh, including a prolonged furlough period for much of our staff. As this awful global crisis recedes, everyone at Williams Racing is looking forward to the start of the new season, end quote. So... Yeah, I mean, read, read between the lines there. I mean, it's it's obviously got to do with money, but um, I find it interesting that uh, they're they're terminating the deal more from their side rather than uh, from the sponsor's side. I mean, uh, 
uh, kind of makes you wonder what uh, what was said uh, behind uh, closed doors. But it's obviously not as weird as the Rich Energy Hass saga that uh, that we had uh, last year. Anyways, uh, Rocket, uh, they're still fully committed to their other uh, sponsorship deals that they have in other areas of uh, motorsports. Uh, <clears throat> including the W series and also the, the Venturi Formula E team. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it, you would think if it's uh, been terminated on one side with, uh, with Williams, uh, that, uh, maybe that, uh, these sponsorship deals, uh, might, uh, be up in, uh, up in the air, but a company spokesman for rocket said, uh, in a statement quote, following their announcement this morning, rocket would like to take the opportunity to wish Williams well with their plans for a potential sale of formula one team. As a group, Rocket remains fully committed to the existing motorship partners uh, partnerships and the exploration of additional strategic partnerships in the near future. End quote. So yeah, there you go. Well, obviously, the there was more of um, interest or um, whatever you want to call it uh, decision on Williams' side rather than uh, Rocket. Anyways, uh, time for a quick uh, break here on the Overtime Media Network, and don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed here on the Overtime Media Network. So here we go uh, talking about, uh, well, I mean, it's more about uh, money, but rather than a team that's uh, losing money or uh, looking for uh, new investments, uh, we're talking uh, now about Aston Martin. And um, they've said that they are not going to turn Racing Point into what they call a monster F1 team. Not exactly sure what that uh, <laughs> is supposed to mean, uh, but anyways, uh, it uh, I, I think it's exciting that uh, that uh, despite all this uh, uncertainty that uh, that we've seen and during this very you know very disturbing and scary time over the past uh, several months that uh, the Aston Martin deal has uh, gone through that uh, Lance sorry Lauren Stroll and his uh, group uh, you know they put more money into the company and they you know they they really seem to be committed. Uh, to, uh, you know, making this, uh, really making this a thing in Formula One. Um, anyways, uh, the, it's, uh, I do find it excuse, uh, exciting. Anyways, uh, technical uh, chief Andrew Green at, uh, Racing Point, he was on the, the F1 uh, Beyond the, the Grid uh, podcast, uh, this, uh, this week. And, uh, he said, uh, quote, um, just, uh, just regarding some of the uh, discussions they had with, uh, Lawrence Stroll, uh, Stroll said, quote, what do you need? What should we be doing? Uh, with a view of not becoming one of these big monster Formula One teams. We wanted to try and maintain the efficiency and the size that we currently have, which we felt was uh, a proper sweet spot as far as the team size is concerned. We don't want it to suddenly expand from 450 people to eight, 900 people. This was never on the wish list, end quote. Yeah, you know, it is kind of interesting because um, <clears throat> obviously... 
that is a, a team going back uh, just a year or so, even to, to when it was uh, under the previous guys as uh, as uh, Force India. This is always a team that's uh, that's done more with uh, with less. And I, I've said this over the years as well that uh, that they have uh, you know they've impressed me over the years. I mean that uh, they've never. I mean, they're never going to go and win uh, races, but I mean, they're they're good for points here and there, and you could always tell that uh, despite the limitations uh, that they had in uh, in the in the budgets and the the personnel, that they still managed uh, to deliver. And I find that uh, I I have some admiration uh, there for them, just the the ingenuity and the flexibility, and just the you know being able to get uh, something done and still have a reasonably uh, competitive team uh, out of it at the end of the day. And they've had some decent uh, drivers. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of time for for Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio. Perez has uh, had had his moments in uh, in Formula One as well, but I mean, it really that 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 last year in 2018 when uh, they were still Force India, they really <laughs> looked like they were on life support. I mean. VJ Malia was, uh, I mean, he's been since lost his uh, extradition hearing uh, from from the UK, and uh, you know he'll be extradited back uh, to India to face his legal problems there. But you could really tell that that that, that team was really struggling in those uh, those last months there, and uh, you know. Uh, I was really happy to see Lawrence Stroll and his group kind of come in there with the, with the, you know, the, the money that they did and that, 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 uh, that immediate injection of cash that, uh, that he brought to the team really made, uh, made a difference, uh, almost instantaneously. Okay. Of course, uh, they didn't go from kind of struggling in the back half of the pack, uh, to, to going up, uh, suddenly, uh, competing and, uh, and, and fighting for podiums. I mean, nothing of the sort, but you, you could tell that the, uh, the, the money that, uh, that he brought, uh, did make, uh, make a difference and it uh, it certainly is interesting last year was a bit of an in-between year but uh, this year you know this a uh, whole pink mercedes saga this uh, th- this is going to be interesting and i i think this is one of the storylines that once uh, we actually go green and uh, this season actually gets going at some point and we all hope that uh all, you know will eventually uh, become the beginning of uh, july at uh, at the red bull ring at the austrian grand prix on the july 4th weekend there and I'm really hoping that uh, you know this that there's something there because I know a lot has been said uh, about the it's raised a lot of uh, eyebrows of the you know this uh, this clone of last year's uh, Mercedes W10 but still I think it's a it's a fascinating storyline for them to 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 borrow and uh, you know a lot of these concepts and uh, and ideas that uh, that made uh, the you know Mercedes so so successful last year and uh, bring that into the design of their car uh, for for this year. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling that, uh, that this story, there, there might be, uh, you know, a lot more that, uh, that might be said and done about it, but certainly that'll, that'll be a, a fascinating one, uh, to watch uh, nonetheless, but still interesting to hear, uh, Andrew Green just, uh, talk about to where he feels, uh, what is the right size. I mean, still, you know, I, I, 450 people for a company. I mean, that seems a rather large, but, uh, you know, when, when you're from the outside, uh, looking in, you know, that, uh, that seems like a, a lot, you know, the, the, you know, the company that I work at, we've only got a couple of, like a couple of dozen people on staff. So anything uh, like that, uh, seems a lot bigger, but still, I mean, when you look at some of the big teams in formula one, like uh, Mercedes or Ferrari, I mean, they, <laughs> they really do have a small army of people working in their offices and factories and in these teams, uh, to design and build and maintain and race these cars. 
So, I mean, 450 people, I seem that's, I think that seems about uh, the, the right number. I don't know off the top of my head uh, exactly how many people they have working at uh, a racing point at the time being. But still, I mean, that, that, that to me seems like a reasonable place to start at uh, under this new life, uh, this, this new era in their history uh, and, and being rebranded as Aston Martin in 2021 and uh, becoming a works team that um, it, it seems like a good place to start. And if the money is there and they're able to work within the budget cap uh, moving forward and they're able to employ more team and are more people into the team and uh, they have the financial means uh, to do so, then uh, that'll be interesting uh, to watch uh, if and when that uh, that actually happens. Anyways, uh, Renault, they've, uh, they're going to stay in Formula One despite major cutbacks. And uh, this is um, this is interesting because I've kind of been uh, listening to a, a little bit of the, that's uh, been said about uh, Renault by Renault themselves over the past uh, couple of months. And, well, this is maybe going back uh, pre-pandemic uh, days, but there seem to be a couple of hints here and there that uh, I, I was kind of... I wouldn't say that I was um, alerted or maybe... Uh, yeah, I'd say alerted to um, you know maybe at a, at a mission or a bit of a slip that there's something was uh, imminent that they might be thinking of leaving um, Formula One. But certainly they they kind of floated it out there just uh, a bit of a couple of times, just in passing over the past uh, several months, just uh, regarding their long term uh, plans in in Formula One. But anyways, uh, Renault. They've been hit pretty hard by the uh, the entire uh, pandemic uh, situation, as uh, a lot of companies and people have, and they're cutting fifteen thousand uh, jobs uh, from the company worldwide, including four and a half thousand jobs in France. Uh, and uh, this is part of their plan to save over two billion. Yeah, you heard that right, two billion euros over the next uh, couple of years. Anyways, uh, so there's um, you know there there's the the big. Um, <clears throat> There's still some fallout uh, from the departure of Carlos uh, Goshen uh, and uh, his successor, Thierry uh, Bellore. And that's uh, created a little bit of extra turmoil within the company. And uh, yeah, just it's been a difficult uh, time. Anyways, uh, uh, you know the difference uh, that this uh, reduction in the in the the twenty twenty one cost cap that was uh, officially uh, confirmed by the FIA has uh, allowed all the team owners investors to to get a real clear picture of uh, what uh, they're going to have to um, spend in the years coming up. I mean, it's going to be uh, initially restricted to one hundred forty five million dollars, then dropping to to thirty uh, to one hundred thirty five by uh, twenty twenty three. So you know it, it's there, so uh, people know what uh, what what's uh, what's going on, and I think that uh, that it's good. I mean, uh, Surreal Abitabul has uh, said that uh, racing is a key part of uh, Renault's brand. I mean, this is a storied uh, company. I mean, uh, they've had uh, success as uh, not just a manufacturer in in Formula One and in racing, but also uh, as an engine supplier. I mean, this is a team that. Uh, well, I mean, uh, m- most recently, obviously, I mean, uh, they've had uh, success. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Fernando won uh, both his uh, world titles in a Renault. I mean, uh, Renault have powered many cars to to world championships, and uh, they, they've struggled a little bit. I mean, we've talked about it uh, many times over the years since uh, they, they they took over and uh, you know from from Lotus and came back into Formula One full time. And uh, honestly, I never like to see a team uh, leave Formula One. I know that, uh, not, not to put myself in the same uh, <laughs> same, same sentence as uh, Bernie Ecclestone, but Bernie was always from the the point of view, well, you know, if you got the money to be here, then, uh, you know, you can stay. But, you know, if... Uh 
if you don't have the money to stay in Formula One, you have to go, then I'm not going to shed a tear for you. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I'm parsing uh, and, and kind of, uh, you know, putting words into Bernie's mouth a little bit. But uh, that that is basically the sentiment uh, that, that he had. I mean, if you, you, you know, if you can be in Formula One compete, you know, you're welcome to stay, but don't let the door hit you on the way out if uh, if you can't. But for me, maybe I'm just a, a little bit more uh, sentimental. Maybe I'm a, a little bit more empathetic about these sort of things. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I don't like to see teams uh, leave Formula One, but but certainly when it's a team like uh, a team that has history in, in the sport, that's why you know as uh, I led with the story about uh, Williams and the potential uh, sale or that uh, they're exploring that. You know that that really really bothers me. The situation that team is in, and also, I think that uh, it would be uh, not a good thing to see Renault leave uh, Formula One as well. I mean, of course, uh, there's a lot of things that can happen, but certainly, I think that uh, that uh, you know to hear that from some of the brass in uh, in Renault themselves, and especially uh, to also hear from Abitabul that uh, that that racing in Formula One is uh, you know important to the company and that they want to be there. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I think that's a uh, comfort in here. So hopefully, uh, the other situation uh, works and uh, they can stay in formula one for the long term. And honestly, I'd like to see them improve. I'd like, you know, like, like I say, I mean, this is a team that's done it before and, uh, I'd like to see them, uh, see if they can succeed and get back there in the, in, in the future. Anyways, uh, sticking on the themes uh, of teams, uh, uh, sticking in formula one, Mercedes has what they call clear intention to remain in formula one under the guidance of current team principal total wolf beyond 2020. So I know I kind of bitch and complain sometimes that it gets a little boring watching Mercedes win race after race and driver's championship and constructor's championship after championship. Formula One wouldn't be the same without them because, I mean, the, the job that they have or they've done over the years is nothing short of amazing. And um, so, I mean, I, I begrudgingly let them win or well, I don't let them win, but <laughs> I, I do tend to uh, get a little bit frustrated. I, I like to see more than one uh, uh, driver fighting for uh, races and championships. But I mean, just to to do what they've done year after year, not only be a competitive team is one thing, but to be the best team year in, year out. And I mean, it's not all Lewis Hamilton. Let, let's let's be fair about that. I mean, Lewis, no disrespect intended, is a fantastic driver. One of the best of, if not the best driver ever. So obviously, he is a big part of that equation, no doubt about it. I don't I don't want to take anything away from uh, from Lewis and what he's done with Mercedes. I mean, also increase you know extremely impressive uh, what what he's done. I've got I've got so much uh, respect uh, respect and admiration uh, for for Lewis Hamilton. That's not it at as, as all, but I think you have a combination of the best driver in the best car in the best team. And I think when you get those uh, the, these factors lining up, great things are going to happen. I was going to say good things. Good things have happened there. But they've done great things. And they've done it repeatedly since uh, since 2014. I mean, 10, 20, 15, or 20, 30 years from now, whatever it is, whenever this uh, this current year in Formula One ends, we'll all look back at it from in the future and just, uh, yeah, that V6 Turbo Hybrid era, yeah, that was all Mercedes. That was all Lewis. That was all them. It was just amazing how good they were 
just not uh, week in week out but year in year out but uh, you know it is good that uh, that they have um, decided to, to stay in formula 1 for the long term under the uh, the, the guidance of uh, total wolf because there was a little bit of uh, questions uh, whether or not uh, that they might uh, stay in formula 1 and also um, you know there's also the, the you know the the the, the problems that, that everybody else is uh, facing what with uh, you know the ongoing pandemic and uh, all those uh, issues but uh, it, it's good to hear then there was a statement that uh, was released uh, from uh, Mercedes uh, earlier this week that said, quote, speculation regarding a potential withdrawal from Formula One continues to be unfounded and irresponsible. The sport has taken the right measures to address the consequences of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and its future financial sustainability, and we welcome these steps. It is our clear intention to continue competing in Formula One as a Mercedes-Benz works team in the years to come and to do so with our managing partner, Total Wolf, end quotes. So the key... The, the two, uh, well, I mean, there's a couple of takeaways from that uh, from that brief uh, that that brief statement. Obviously, they're happy with the uh, you know, the, the the moves that Formula One has taken in uh, in, in very quick order, might I add, uh, to secure the, the the future of the sport and, and get a you know the, the spending under control in in very rapid fashion. But also, um, the, 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 it's the last sentence in there. It is our clear intention to continue competing in Formula One as a Mercedes works. Uh, uh, sorry, as a Mercedes Benz works team. That's uh, uh, point number one. In the years to come, that's point number two that stands out. And then finally, the last part of that sentence, and to do so with our managing partner, Toto Wolf, end quote. So I think that uh, as long as Toto stays there, they're going to stay in Formula One should, uh, you know, as long as the desire to be there. It would be interesting, though. I mean, Toto, uh, by no uh, imagination, is uh, is older long in the tooth by by any means. I mean, he's just uh, a middle-aged uh, person like uh, so many of us are, but Still, it makes you wonder, say, five years from now, that uh, maybe he wants to do something else. Is there a future in Formula One? How much is it tied to what uh, what, what Toto wants to do and how long he wants to stay in Formula One? And uh, who would be a suitable successor? That uh, that really is uh, the, the big question. If uh, Toto Wolf was to, to walk away, uh, would, uh, would that really affect uh, Mercedes' uh, future uh, decision on to, you know, staying in the sport? Anyways... I'll leave that uh, thought with you for the moment. We're just going to take another quick uh, break here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And we're going to stick again with the financial side. And McLaren has been in the the news this week for some of the wrong uh, reasons, uh, obviously. Um, and they've taken a huge hit financially um over the first uh, quarter of 2020 even before the you know the the covid-19 situation kicked in the the McLaren group revenue fell from get this 284 million pounds in the first quarter of 2019 to 109 million pounds and uh, the the company made a loss of 81 million pounds compared to a profit of 22 million in uh, 2019 so most of the uh the, the drop and income was uh, reduced uh, sales on the automotive side uh, with uh, sales down from 953 cars down to just uh, 307. So, I mean, uh, two-thirds drop uh, right there. 
they have an, uh, a current uh, book order of 993 cars with uh, 50% uh, representing uh, you know limited series models with higher margins. So obviously there's going to be more money in those. And then uh, on the racing side, uh, revenue was down for uh, by four and a half million pounds. Uh, that saw you know so many of these uh, races uh, like Australia, Bahrain, Canada, etc. Um, uh, cancelled or postponed, and uh, Formula One's revenue uh, uh, badly hit. So. Uh, anyways, uh, there, there's a lot more numbers uh, in there, but uh, you know we we could go kind of you know, keep uh, on going those uh, you know ad nauseum, but uh, you know not, not good for McLaren over the first uh, quarter of the 2020. Anyways, uh, going to the rule changes now, um, the, the the changes on the cost cap uh, limit that's uh, going to st- come in next year, um, you know that's all sorted out. Uh, that's uh, been formally approved, um, and the changes to the to the regulations to cover. The 2020 uh, championship season and beyond uh, that has uh, been ratified and approved by the World Motorsport uh, Council, and uh, of course the cost cap limit uh, will be uh, set at 145 million uh, next year, 140 million for 2022, and then uh, will drop to 130 million dollars per year for the next uh, three years, based on a 21 uh, race season. So. It's good to see that um, that uh, has been taken care of and, um, you know, it, it was done in fairly, uh, you know, uh, quick. I mean, it, it's really t- been taken care of in the past uh, several weeks, and I think uh, it's, it's very important uh, that it was uh, done so. Anyways, um, also the the provision of having what they call closed races without uh, fans has uh, been actually been written in the rules uh, with uh, and the teams are only allowed to bring eighty people to the race and uh, only sixty of those people can be on the uh, the operational side. Uh, so the following and there's a whole list of uh, things. So I'm just going to uh, pull out a couple of highlights here. Uh, so the the some of the tech, technical regulations that have been uh, confirmed is a, a freezing of a large list of components between 2020 and 20. 2021. And on that list includes chassis, gearbox, uh, a large number of mechanical components and impact structures. And, uh, you know, it's been talked about for a while, uh, a token system has been uh, devised to permit a very limited number of modifications in accordance to the competitor's specific needs. Uh, So in 2020, there are going to be limitations to power unit upgrades for 2021, uh, changes to the plan view trim and simplification of the floor ahead of the rear tires in order to moderate the increase of downforce between 2020 and 2021, Uh, minimum mass of uh, the car increased to 749 kilograms for next year. And also um, a couple of other things on the sporting regulation side uh, for 2020, the provisions for open and closed events uh, and relevant regulatory structure for each, uh, for example, personnel in the paddock, uh, depending on whether such events permit uh, spectators. Uh, Also, there's a reduction in uh, aerodynamic uh, testing and uh, the introduction of power unit test bench restrictions for cost uh, reasons. And uh, next year, also a further reduction in aerodynamic uh, testing. So this kind of goes on and on and on, but uh, <laughs> we could kind of go on. But uh, I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the basic uh, gist of it is, I think it's important uh, that they've got a lot of these things uh, formalized, a lot of them on, on paper. It doesn't matter uh, if it's on the technical side, the development side. Also, um, I, I, th- I do think it is interesting that these uh, these cost uh, cap numbers are based on uh, on a 21 uh, race season. I mean, uh, that that's what they were looking at. I mean, we're going to have 22 this year. And I mean, they've even uh, talked uh, seriously. I mean, it's been thrown out uh, there for quite a while now that, uh, that they would even like to go up to as many as 25 races uh, per year. 
which would, uh, I mean, it'd be uh, pretty awesome. I mean, uh, from a logistical uh, point of view, I mean, it'd be, uh, <laughs> be pretty tough to, to, to pull that off for a Formula One team. But uh, I know from a, from a fan's point of view that uh, a 25 race season would be fantastic. I mean, uh, you're racing almost uh, half the year. I mean, uh, the, the season is pretty long. I mean, uh, I, I remember growing up in an era when there was, what, 16 races uh, per year. I mean, that, that's still a fairly decent schedule. But, uh, you know, the addition of the, the, you know, the several additional races that, uh, that have uh, been included in the calendar for the, the last, uh, you know, large number of years, I think has uh, been great. I mean, uh, was it uh, in 2018 when we had those back-to-back-to-back uh, races? What was it? Uh, France, uh, Britain, and uh, was it Germany? I can't remember back in uh, 2018. That was just awesome. I mean, just you went from one to the other to the other you had uh, the FIFA World Cup going on at the same time you had the Tour de France going on I mean that was uh that that went you know all the, the the summer sports that you have going on as well I mean baseball is uh, in full swing at that time of year it was uh, it was a fantastic uh, July uh, a couple of years ago so uh, from from that point of view I think uh, that would be uh, cool to see again but you know if it, you know based on everything all the turmoil that we've seen over the past uh, couple of months if these plans for uh, longer seasons, you know, like uh, 21, uh, you know, or more, you know, that would, that would be wonderful. That would be great for, like I say, from a fan's point of view, but if that gets uh, shelved for the time being, uh, just to, to keep costs under control and, and get some more stability back into the, uh, into the, uh, into the sport, then I think that's, uh, that, that's just uh, fine for me. Anyways, uh, sticking with the, uh, the, the budget cap, uh, theme here, McLaren, uh, believes, uh, what they call a quote, massive and painful task and quote, of uh, cutting spending and reducing their staff numbers to get under the uh, the new budget cap level is uh, unfortunately a price that will have to be paid for the new rules that uh, that they believe at Woking will uh, secure the uh, the future of Formula One. Um, anyways, uh, McLaren CEO Zach Brown said, "Quote Formula One, sorry, Formula One wins today." This is a crucially important moment for our sport. F1 has been financially unsustainable for some time and inaction would have risked the future of F1 and its participants who are to be commended for resolving this issue collectively and determinedly. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And and uh, also, I think that the, the one thing that uh, that Zach could have added in there in also a very timely manner. I mean, I, I've said many times over the years that uh, you know, I, when... Uh, in the past, whenever there was any talks like this, I mean, they were sort of glacial and was a lot of objections, mostly from uh, for, from Ferrari. But I'm glad that in this era, even though it took uh, quite some time to really get an agreement in place for the now postponed uh, development uh, or the evolution of the the technical regulations that were going to come out in 2021, it did get uh, get done. And I mean, it was uh, mostly behind uh, closed doors. I mean, there wasn't too much airing of grievances in uh, in public. And, um, I, I mean, it did drag out a little bit uh, there uh, towards the end, but, I mean, they did get there in the end. And w- what I find extremely impressive is uh, with this whole uh, budget cap and all these uh, things that, uh, that that have been done over the past uh, 68 weeks, I, I think is, uh, you know, I, I think that they should be proud of the, the, the fact that they were able to get... Uh, you know, get over this major hurdle that uh, as a sports collectively, they, they faced uh, as a group of teams and companies and uh, that they were able to, to look at the larger picture. And uh, I know that uh, Ferrari was a little bit uh, resistant, but 
I find it uh, refreshing that uh, the resistance uh, from Ferrari wasn't so much that they were completely appalled by the, the prospect of having a, a spending cap or a budget cap, whatever you want to call it, put in place. But it really just uh, came down to a, a question of the numbers. And even to, uh, eventually they agreed to that. So I think uh, that that is uh, very positive uh, for uh, Formula One. So Gunther Steiner, team principal at Haas, says that uh, F1 involvement is now clear cut for manufacturers. Uh, now that uh, these uh, rules uh, changes and uh, spending caps have been uh, been put into effect and has been ratified by the World Motorsport uh, Council. And I mean, Haas, this is another team. I mean, even pre-COVID, this was a team that um, I had a lot of doubts uh, whether or not uh, that they were going to stay in in Formula One. I mean, uh, they hadn't said uh, that uh, they were going to pull out, but they've they've struggled. I mean, uh, I know that they're still a relatively new team, but still... uh, it, it it's it's been a tough uh, a tough go for them uh, since they, they came into Formula One. I mean they they've had some uh, bright moments here and there, but last year was not a new uh, uh, good year for them. And I I, th- I think that Gunther Steiner, you know, I th- I think he's come off as one of the stars, uh, obviously in the the F one Drive to Survive series on Netflix. But uh, just in general, I mean, he um, he doesn't really hold back uh, too much. So I, th- I think it's really interesting to to, uh, to to get his take because I mean he calls a spade a spade. He's p- pretty blunt and uh, sometimes uh, quite uh, crude about it. Uh, but uh, anyways, he uh, had to say on an interview with Sky Sports F1 this week, uh, quote, it's a lot more interesting now. We need to push more that we can make in this break-even uh, business, at least going forward. That is one of my jobs to do for Mr. Haas, trying to get to a point where his investments are smaller. For teams coming in, when a budget cap is discussed, there are always some people out there which think they can make money with it. It's still a very expensive sport. You need to invest a lot of money to get somewhere. I think when the good thing is for the manufacturers, if a board of directors see that there is a cap, they know how much they're going to be spending as a maximum. You don't start with a number and then after five years, this number number has tripled or quadrupled from where you said a few years before. Now there is a stake in the ground saying that uh, this is the maximum you're allowed to spend by regulation. It's pretty clear cut now, whereas before it was almost uh, how much uh, as a piece of string. Uh, how much you want to invest. I think it's a good thing and hopefully it gets uh, corporates or car manufacturers to invest in Formula One, end quote. Absolutely, uh, completely agree with uh, with, with what uh, Gunther Steiner has to say. Uh, I, I think that the fact that is that, uh, that, you know, corporations and companies and manufacturers will know just uh, going forward, how much uh, money is going to be uh, required at a maximum uh, each and every year in the sport, uh, rather than uh, knowing, okay, well, we're coming in in uh, 2020, we're going to be spending uh, X uh, amount of money, and then uh, find the the, the next year that uh, you've got to like uh, double that or significantly uh, up that that amount to remain uh, competitive. Uh, So I think that's a a very positive thing. And I think some of the reactions that we've seen uh, already from, you know, the likes of Haas and McLaren and also, um, you know, when you hear that uh, other teams like Renault and uh, Mercedes are uh, committing to the long term, I think that's, uh, you know, very, very uh, uh, positive and very good news and good developments, especially from the from the smaller teams. So that that's why I was saying uh, earlier that uh, I really hope that uh, that Williams can get their problems uh, sorted out. And if that means of uh, a, a minority sale or some other uh, way of a uh, new investment or who even knows a sale of a majority stake in the team, maybe that's uh, what they need to do. But that they can only know that. That to themselves based on the offers that they have coming forward you know, before them and uh, decide well, what to do with that. 
Anyways, uh, moving along uh, with uh, with this uh, theme of uh, cost cutting, there's a, there's also a lot of uh, feeling out there that uh, they've really cut off, uh, you know, what a lot of people are calling an all out arms race on engine development costs with all the new rules that have come in that will really limit the amount of uh, upgrades that, uh, you know, the engine manufacturers uh, can make that are already coming to effect uh, the, this year. So um, that, uh, Renault team principal, Surreal uh, Abitable, has suggested the uh, uh, sometime this week that the levels of uh, expenditure now required to uh, you know to stay in uh, competitive in formula 1 had been too much of a, a burden he had to say quote we've been able to push for con- containing this crazy development race on the engine and it's really insane what we've been spending on the engine and finally that's going to change End quote. So yeah, I, I mean, you look at. I know that uh, that I've been critical about uh, Renault uh, over the past uh, several years. You know, just, I, I mean, they have uh, progressed forward. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean. Uh, I, I'm not going to give uh, no credit to them at all. I just thought that being Renault, that I I thought that the the progression might be uh, a little bit uh, quicker. <laughs> you know, it might have happened a little bit faster for them. Uh, no pun intended. But you know. Uh, what, we're only privy to so much and we can, uh, you know, we can speculate on a lot, but, uh, you know, when you hear even just a, a little soundbite like that from uh, somebody like a Surreal Abitabool, who's uh, obviously knows the business of uh, his own team and the business of uh, Formula One very well and the, the amount of money that's uh, required to put into it, not just to design and build an engine, but to, to build a competitive one. And then, you know, you get stuck into this uh, vicious cycle that, uh, that that you just have to be, you know, spending more and more money each and every year to try and get more out of the engine. So, very much in the theme of uh, what uh, Gunther Steiner was uh, just saying, and uh, in the previous story I was talking about that uh, you know he, he's happy that uh, that uh, you know there's uh, you know there there are certain costs uh, and, and numbers put in place and these regulations. I, I think obviously that's uh, being. Uh, I, I think a beatable will uh, obviously be very agreeable to to that as well. I mean there, there is a line in the sand now. Well, it's more than a line in the sand. It's it, it's a hard cap. You can't go over that. And I think also the um, you know the idea. Uh, and uh, to put that also into the regulations and really limits the amount of uh, upgrades uh, that uh, that they can uh, do, uh, you know, that, that they can make on the engines uh, will be severely uh, limited. I think that's a, that's a positive step uh, for Formula One because at some point it just does not become sustainable anymore. And uh, when, when you hear comments uh, like that from Abitabool and also from uh, Zach Brown that uh, that that line was, uh, you know, that that line of uh, unsustainability. If they hadn't already crossed over it, they were coming uh, awfully close to the uh, to the edge of the precipice. So uh, again, I'm glad that uh, you know the reviews and the, the the feedback that we're getting from people inside Formula One on these uh, new rules, regulations, the the, the spending cap, and the uh, you know the, the the limits that are being put in out there are being met with uh, favorable and agreeable uh, comments. I think that is very positive uh, for the sport. Anyways, uh, time for one more quick break here on the show, and then it's going to be time to start shutting it down for another week. So don't go. Away. We don't go away. See, I need to, to get out of here too. I can't even talk anymore. So <laughs> anyways, don't go away. Be back in uh, just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And uh, just a couple more things here before I let you go. Uh, there was a, a couple more things I was going to talk about uh, just the uh, on the rules side and just uh, some of the things that are, are coming in. So uh, as uh, previously uh, dis- uh, discussed there, there is a token uh, system uh, coming in uh, for, for teams to, um, uh, you know, teams can use two tokens to modify uh, components on the cars after free dates, or, sorry, 
uh, the, what they call freeze dates. And uh, they have um, uh, three steps that they can take uh, within uh, deadlines that are known as D1, D2, and D3. And uh, they're different cases of uh, you know, uh, frozen components uh, throughout the year. And uh, D1 is the former five days after the shutdown, which is when the next week. And for the latter, it's the Wednesday following the third competition of 2020, but no later than the 1st of October 2020. So the FIA has made it very clear that teams should be really sure that they want to deploy their tokens as there's no second chances if they want to change their mind uh, midstream on uh, on a development uh, route that they're taking. Um, but anyways, they will be allowed to revert to their uh, original spec, but uh, they don't get their tokens refunded, uh, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Anyways, uh, again, I think uh, just uh, uh, building on the the theme that we were talking about uh, before the break there, I think uh, just in general, it's uh, it's very positive. It's very good, uh, and I like all these things uh, that uh, they've been uh, been doing. I like the the idea of a token system as well. Uh, it doesn't completely freeze them out, but uh, I, I think it really makes uh, that the teams really think long and hard about uh, any changes that they they want to make because uh, you only get a couple of shots at it, and if it doesn't work, then well. You're kind of out of luck. You can go back to your original spec, but you don't get your tokens back. So I, I think that's a good thing. Anyways, I just uh, want to talk about a couple more things. And it's already starting to get late here. So I'm ready to call it a night here. <laughs> Anyways, Danny Ricardo. Yeah, remember Daniel Ricardo? Yes, the, the man who's leaving Renault at the end of 2020 to join McLaren has admitted he did hold... Uh, talks with uh, Ferrari about a move to uh, joining the Scuderia before he announced his uh, move to McLaren for 2021. And I think that is obviously, well, it doesn't really come as a as a big surprise. I mean, uh, Daniel is uh, one of the top names in Formula One. Uh, maybe his, uh, you know, the shine is uh, taking a little bit of tarnish uh, after last year at uh, at Renault. I mean, this year remains uh, to be seen what, uh, what he does. Uh, but uh, he said uh, he admitted in an interview with the CNN, quote, there have been discussions already from a few years back, and that continued all the way through to now. I won't uh, deny that, but obviously it's never really come to fruition. I never really chose to dive too deep into it. Everyone says it would be a good fit, obviously, with my name and all the background stuff, but I try not to get emotionally caught up in any kind of situation. End quote. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, makes sense. And I'm sure that there's a lot of talking uh, behind the scenes in Formula One uh, at any given time. But I don't know. I, I think that the fit of uh, Danny Ricardo going to McLaren, I think that's going to be a good move for him. And uh, I still think that it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with uh, with uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, obviously, there are a couple of uh, options there uh, still for him in uh, Formula One. Renault would be one of them. Mercedes is an interesting one. I mean, uh, Bottas isn't confirmed for next year. Neither is uh, Lewis Hamilton, although Hamilton, I mean, you just have to think that's obviously of a question of uh, when and not if. I mean, that would be uh, a real shock if he didn't come back. And, and, you know, the only scenario I could honestly see Lewis Hamilton not going back to Mercedes for 2021 is if Lewis himself decides that uh, th- that he needs uh, or wants to, to do something else. I, I just can't imagine from a, a point of view of, uh, you know, just uh, having a, a common goal and, and, and seeing eye to eye on the racing side of things. I think that, uh, you know, th- that uh, Lewis and the team, they would uh, be on the same page for 
for that. I can't imagine uh, that it would uh, be money. I can't imagine that uh, that uh, obviously money wouldn't be an issue for Mercedes and uh, you know Daimler, the, the 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 parent company. I think that Lewis can uh, pretty much demand what he wants, and I think that uh, Mercedes uh, would. Uh, uh, would be able to pay it. But like I say, I mean, it, I think it really depends now on, on Lewis himself, how long he wants to keep racing. I mean, he admitted uh, not so long ago that there have been some times that have been tough where it's kind of, uh, you know, difficult to keep going. But, you know, I, I didn't really see that so much as, um, you know, a, a an admission of his dedication uh, to the team and to the sports. I think that was just more a... Uh, you know, I think it was an admission more of Lewis just keeping it real, you know, just admitting to the fact, you know, sometimes days are tough, you know, some days at work are harder than others. And sometimes you had a bad patch and sometimes, uh, you know, you just rather be off doing something else. And I think that goes for everyone. Uh, obviously Lewis has a, a, a cooler, gl- more glamorous job than 99.9% of the rest of us. But still, we all have those uh, feelings uh, from time to time that, uh, that uh, when you get kind of caught in the grind, that you'd rather be off uh, going somewhere. So I don't really, uh, uh, really question Lewis's uh, commitment to Formula One or Mercedes, but you never know. He, he might, uh, at, at, at the stage he's at uh, now in his career and his life, you know, he doesn't need to do it for the money, whether he wants to do it for the accolades and, uh, and be the guy on the top of, uh, you know, all the records that, uh, that's something only uh, Lewis Hamilton knows because there, there's not really too many more that, uh, that he really needs to, uh, to, to, to get uh, to the top, to be, uh, you know, the, the number one guy. I mean, he's a record holder in so many categories in Formula One, uh, right now. So who knows? And then finally, Ferrari has uh, announced that uh, they are going to establish uh, an Australian base of operations for their Ferrari Driver Academy. And uh, the Asia Pacific base uh, will be in Sydney, Australia, which is uh, pretty cool. Anyways, um, the uh, the FDA's um, uh, Asia Pacific arm will be run by Motorsport Australia out of a, a new center of excellence, which is part of a state government funded $33 million upgrade to Sydney Motorsports Park. So that's uh, very, very cool. I'm uh, glad to hear that. So, um, uh, Ferrari uh, development, uh, sorry, Ferrari Driver Academy boss uh, Laura uh, Mikis uh, had to say, "Quote: Today, signing with Motorsport Australia after the partnerships already established with the Italian Motoring Federation (ACI) and the Karting World Powerhouse Tony Kart is a key step forward in our scouting strategy to, in order to ensure we continue to secure the best talent of the future. We have a long-standing relationship with our friends at Motorsport Australia, and we trust that together we will build a fantastic." selection program for the region that will inspire and attract many young drivers end quote so very cool glad to see that uh, in the turmoil uh, that we've uh, seen and experienced uh, over the past uh, couple of months uh, that there's still positive things uh, going on out there uh, there's still investment going on in uh, in formula one and in the sport in general and uh, this was another cool thing to see anyways I really need to get a drink of water or something for some strange reason. I came into the studio tonight and I didn't bring anything to sip on during the breaks, but that's uh, that's my own fault. Anyways, guys, thank you very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, as always, send me a tweet on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or send me an email at ScuderiaPod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. And I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.
Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.